Welcome to Press On with Aaron Rios, lead pastor of Garden City Church. We pray that you are encouraged and enriched as you press on towards the cause of Christ. The distraction. So listen, by the end of the story, we are confronted with the why. That's what Jesus says. Why did you doubt? Oh, you of little faith. So I want to touch, I want to touch on the whys of life. Because even though we find Peter is confronted with his doubt, as I said earlier, the doubt didn't stop him from his action. But what doubt did was it gave him just enough courage to act out and create an opportunity for God to show up. The doubt in his life didn't stop him from action, but it didn't keep him from walking on the water. So I can't begin to describe how many occasions I found myself wondering if I'm in God's will, then why? So one of the greatest hindrances that you and I are ever gonna encounter are all of the unanswered why questions. And I'm not sure I've met my whys with the same courage and resolve that Peter met his, his doubt with and his whys with. Now, how many times have, have, has growth in my life been hindered and stifled because the question why? Why hasn't anything happened? In fact, it's not even the why that's the problem. It, it's when I've, when I've brought it in prayer and it feels like the heavens brass and I'm getting no answer. You ever have those, those moments like, why are things happening? If, if, if you've been committing yourself to the Lord and you've been paying your tithes and you've, you've been trying to walk out your faith, why is all this stuff happening to me? You know, why, why are your kids going astray? Why are you sick in your body? Why is our bank accounts negative? Why are cars, my car breaking down every week? Why? why? And I know those are just, <laughs> some of those might sound superficial, but the, the whys of life. We're constantly bombarded with doubt. We're, 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 we're being shoved to quit. And I'm gonna tell you what the, what the biggest problem becomes when why is no longer a question, but becomes a statement. That's where doubt leads us. It wants us to, to, to get us to a place where it's just, well, that's just how life is. You know, I don't know why, but it's just, that's just, you know, and then it, then it leads us to that next, I don't know, what, where's God? Did God say? Did, did God say? You know, you can pick up on something in Genesis. We're, we're given the impression that God would walk through the garden and then he was there and then he wasn't there, and then he was there, and then he wasn't there. We know this because he then comes and he's looking for, he's looking for Adam and Eve. So, and it was, it was in the moments when, in the absence of God the Father, that the enemy pounced on Adam and Eve with the why. Did, did God say? The questioning, when the doubts in life push you into a corner and we need an answer so bad we feel like we're grasping at anything to have a reason, to have an answer, rightly so. Then we get to this place where we begin to make up answers for God. It's like we're trying to answer for God when we can't hear God in the middle of the mess. Well, it must be because of a sin or this is just happening because, you know, you know, look at Job, you know. We begin to make up these excuses when the truth is, Christianity is not an inoculation from life's troubles. We don't come to church and get, get a shot of, of a Bible scripture so that we can leave the house problem free. The Bible tells us in this world you will have many, many troubles. You're gonna face problems. You're gonna feel like there's times in your life when, when God has sent you on a boat into a storm on your own without him. Look, the recap that Matthew presents Honest, I'm just gonna be honest, I'm gonna be transparent. It feels almost like a smack in the face conclusion of Jesus reaching out his hand and asking Peter, uh, you know, why did you doubt you have a little faith? 
But I want to look at the circumstances that really precipitated this exchange and birthed the why did you doubt? If you approach adversity with just yourself in mind, if you approach the storms in life with just you, if you think it's just you or your friends, your disciple friends on the boat dealing with the storm, then you're gonna feel like a victim. But if you recognize God's sovereignty, right? God's lordship over all things, then every distraction in life, every adversity that you begin to face in life is gonna seem like an opportunity for God to demonstrate his power in your life. Psalms 139.16 says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days you ordained for me, they were written in your book before one of them came to be. And even though some of us know this, it really doesn't seem to comfort us when we're going through a struggle. Uh, I don't necessarily need to hear in my time of trouble, oh, just believe, just have faith. God's got a plan. We know this to be true. We need an inner witness. We need the faith on the inside. And I'm gonna tell you where the strength begins to come from. The strength begins to flow as you grow, as we grow into people who begin to look at adversity as an opportunity rather than a rejection from God. What if adversity was answered with the call to rise? Matthew 20, 20, well, Jesus quoting Isaiah, he says this, a battered reed he will not break off and a smoldering wick he will not put out until he leads justice to victory. See, God's interested in your welfare. He's interested in your well-being, but he's not more interested in your comfort than he is in your development. So you have to understand that to get you to a place of growth, he will take you through seasons of discomfort. He will allow you to go through storms. He will allow you to face challenges in life but he's not in the business of breaking you off and snuffing you out. God's ways are higher than our ways. God's plan is better than our plan. Some of the things you think you want, if God really gave them to you, it could destroy you. But then we're wondering where's God's goodness when he holds back certain things and we don't realize it's the act of him holding back that's demonstrating his goodness. Rise up, man and woman of God. God is calling us to a great occasion. God is calling you to great faith. All right, let's quickly break down this passage. So this begins with, it says, immediately they got in the boat. Get in the boat. Verse 22 says, immediately he made the disciples get into a boat and proceed ahead of him. And he sent people away. Immediately, immediately, immediately he made the disciples get in the boat. Is God telling you to get in a boat? Is there, is there something happening in your life? I wonder if there's something that God is asking you to do and you're being hesitant, that you're not responding to immediately. I wonder if there's something happening that, that God is trying to cause in your life. Can I, can I encourage you? Obey God, get with the program. How often have we lived our lives feeling forced? We feel like we're forced to do stuff and we just, give me more time, give me more time. God is trying to make something happen in our lives. And so we have only two options when it comes to the mandates of God. We either respond through obedience or we resist. That's really the only option. And we, we face forced circumstances all the time in life. And even if you feel forced, even if you feel like timelines are short, we still must obey Jesus. I know we, we might say, I didn't choose this. This isn't what I want. I like this because the writers, they don't, they don't write the Bible arbitrarily. Everything that's written in this passage, it was written intentionally. Everything Jesus did, it was did intentionally. So it's important that we, we look at the subtle language because it, that's what really presents some of the great truths. Like 
how many times have you asked, if God is God, why doesn't he just make this happen? Or why didn't he just stop this? Why doesn't he just do this? But can I tell you, God is making things happen all the time. There are four circumstances in life. Hebrews 10, 13 says, God waits patiently until his enemies are made a footstool. He's, he waits patiently while some circumstances play out that are gonna force things to happen. What about Psalms 23, two? says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Circumstances will make us either resist God or respond to God. Look, four circumstances are always present. The rain, it makes you seek shelter. The snow makes you seek warmth. Hunger will make you seek out sustenance, make you seek food. Pain will make you seek comfort. There are times when we're, you know, out and about doing our thing. And then there's times when the shepherd's gonna lead us through circumstances and we're forced to respond. God is looking for our wills to be subdued. A subdued will only operates through leading. The relationship they had with Jesus, it merited the authority that he had in their life. Did you hear me? The relationship that they had with Jesus, it, it merited the force. The relationship that, that Matthew had with Jesus, it validates him saying he made them because he was in submission to Christ. He respected, he honored. You can't obey, you can't be forced to do something to someone you don't, aren't in submission to. You don't respect, you don't honor. So really the force is allowed. God is trying to force things. He's trying to cause things in your life, but you gotta allow it. And the only way it's gonna be allowed is if you're gonna be in submission to God, if you respect God, if you honor God. I'm thinking of my boss. When I've had bosses before, there are things that they could, by virtue of their position, could technically force me to do unless I did not remain submitted to them and I left there the authority. If I wasn't in submission, if I left the respect, my, there's things my wife can make me do that nobody else can make me do. She can make me take the trash out at 2.30 in the morning. See, the making, it happens either in leading or in reacting. The making happens in either being led or responding. So I'm either led or I react. Like criminals, they react to force that is exerted through authority. It's not, re it's not through relationship. Now how we respond to force is based on relationship. Philippians 2, 10 through 11, I love this verse. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. There is gonna come a day when this passage is gonna be fulfilled. And not everyone who bows their knee, I don't believe is, is gonna be doing it willingly. I think, I think that there are those right now that they've given their life to the Lord, they're gonna bow their knee before the Lord. Then there's others that they're in resistance, but when they see the king seated on the throne, they're not gonna have any choice but to bow. How we respond to force is gonna be based on relationship. When you belong to Christ, and it seems like circumstances are forcing you to get in the boat, just, just make it easy on yourself, get in the boat. You say, I don't like what's going on. Obey Jesus, get in the boat. Well, that wasn't my plan, obey Jesus, get in the boat. You say, well, um, well this isn't my skill set. Obey Jesus, get in the boat. Some people are being called to serve in church. Some people are called to be lights in their community. Some of you are being called to do things in a new way. Can I encourage you, get in the boat, get in the boat. Get with the program. Here they are, they're in the boat, they're in the storm, and where's Jesus? He's nowhere to be found. You ever feel like Jesus has missed the boat? You ever feel like you, you, you started off on course and everything was good and now you're like, where's Jesus? Where's God? God, where are you in my time of need? When you, when you face those moments in your life when the clouds are so black and you can't see the light of the sun, 
Can I tell you, stay the course. We don't see these disciples retreating. It says the wind was contrary. You know why? Because they were fighting against it. Because they were determined to make it to the destination that the Lord told them to go. Stay in the boat. Stay the course until the right time. Verse 24, 25 says, and the boat was a way out. They got in the boat. They, they made that happen. But Lord, you told me to head out. Now I'm obeying you and I'm being battered by the waves. I'm being battered by the wind. Oh, um, I want to honor you and stay faithful in my marriage or my job, but nothing's going right. Stay the course. You ever testify to feeling like you were following Jesus, but nothing seems, seems to be going right now? I can't tell you how many times I've sat with couples and I'm, I've, I've encouraged, I've encouraged husbands, man, stay the course. And, and they, come, they come back to me and say, hey man, I've tried to stay the course and now this is happening. Stay the course. Stay the course. You've been praying for, for that family member. You've been praying for healing. You've been praying for finances. You've been praying for that depression, that anxiety, that fear, that addiction, that hurt, that secret scar that only God knows. Stay the course. Stay the course. You don't know what Jesus is up to. You don't really know what God is doing behind the scene. There are things that I do not know what God has in mind. In fact, I'm convinced if God was to let me know, it'd be too much, it'd kill me. I'd run the other way. If I presented to my children a college level curriculum and showed them what they have to look forward to in their future, going to college, some of the classes, some of the life challenges, they never wanna leave the house. You don't know what God is up to. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes God just doesn't wanna tell you. In this instance, he sent off the multitudes and he sent off his own disciples. Why? Why did he send them off? Look, this story begins really sad. It begins by telling us that John the Baptist, Christ's cousin, was brutally murdered by Herod, who was one sick dude. First of all, he didn't like John the Baptist because John the Baptist was calling him out for having relationships with his, his sister-in-law. To make matters worse, now he has his niece provocatively dancing for him. He's, he's drunk, partying, and decides to make the most ridiculous offer in, in, a, in a moment of stupidity and offers her up to half his kingdom. And she requests the head of John the Baptist. So Herod feels forced to follow through with this, even though he feared the people even though he recognized that John the Baptist had a touch of God in his life. That's what foolishness does. That's why we've got to check our sobriety. That's why we've got to keep ourselves in check. Because even though Herod knew certain things, there was still foolishness in his life. This is just my observation, but I'm not sure he would have done those things had he been in complete sound judgment in that, in that moment. But it doesn't matter. He makes this, this ridiculous offer. So now John the Baptist has been beheaded and Christ is looking for a place to, to get away, to pray, to just be alone with the Father. But it tells us that the crowds came out and they followed him. And he says, this is what you gotta love about Christ and, and the model that he, he, he teaches us. This is, he, was, he put his pain aside to continue to be the bread of life to the people to continue to serve and to minister. He, he, oh yeah, he was gonna get back to his season of grief. You know, it's okay to grieve in life. It's okay. It's okay when we face difficulty to withdraw just a bit and get with the Father, but don't let your pain dictate the mission in your life. Don't let the pain and the struggles that you're gonna face get you so far off course. Take time, cry, 
weep, moan. Deal with the pain. Don't grieve like those who have no hope. Don't face your storm. Don't face your struggle. Don't face your insecurity in life like those who have no hope because you have a hope. They didn't know what Jesus was up to. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. What did he pray about? We don't know, but I can guarantee you that when Jesus seemingly steps aside, he has a reason. We can't navigate our Christian walk with assumptions. But I wanna tell you that when it seems like God has missed the boat and isn't aware of your circumstances, know that you are not beyond his reach. Stay the course. He lives evermore to make intercession. I don't know what Jesus was praying about in this instance, but I can guarantee you that the disciples were on his heart and on his mind, and he was aware of the situation. Stay the course. Here's my last point. Is it late or is it early? Verse 25 specifically says, in the fourth hour. I like that wording because the fourth hour is somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. And they see something. They're terrified. They're exhausted. They're hopeless. And now they think they see a phantasm walking on the ocean. That's what exhaustion does. It does some strange things to you. And the writer is certain to make sure that he lets us know it's the last hour of the watch. So is it late or is it early in the morning? Well, the difference between late and early is rest. If you're going to bed at 3 a.m., it's going to be much different than when you're waking up at 3 a.m. For one person, it's far, far too late. And for the other person, it's too early. They're just getting up. Christmas morning. Think of that. For the kids, it couldn't be late enough, right? <laughs> they wanted those gifts yesterday. But for parents, it couldn't be any earlier. Your perspective of late or early, it hinges on your ability to rest. The disciples found themselves in a circumstance that Jesus sent them to, and pretty obvious based on this, they had no rest. The circumstance didn't allow them to rest. If only they would have had rest, then the story would have read entirely different. It would have said then early in the morning. And I can't blame them. The waves were rocking the boat and beating them. They're panicked, they're tired, they're afraid. They shouldn't have been able to rest. But I recall a story in Mark where Jesus slept through the storm. Mark 4.38, it tells us that they had to go down and wake him up. Jesus can sleep through the storm. There are gonna be things that only God can do. See, in the story in Matthew, Jesus is absent while they're in the storm, or so it seems. And in Mark 4.38, even though he's on the boat, he's asleep, he's, still, he's, he's checked out. And in both of those instances, the disciples are panicked feeling hopeless and terrorized. But what we see happen in Matthew is something really special, it's really unique. See, instead of giving up in the middle of the exhaustion, good old Peter, he's built up enough courage to call out to that ghost that he sees, calls out to uncertainty. Peter holds a conversation with a ghost and Jesus honors that conversation and he challenges that conversation with action. Oh, you're talking big, Peter. Why don't you climb out of the boat? Come to me. Put your foot on the water. Yeah, I know Jesus didn't have that attitude about it. What are you going through in life? Are, is there any place in your life that you can talk big? Is there any place in life that you're facing uncertainty 
And even what you see from a distance that looks like possibility, it looks like hope, it looks like opportunity. Doubt wants to stop you from taking the steps of faith. Is there a place in your life that if you began to swing your foot over the ledge, over the water, not even sure if that water is gonna become solid footing. Uh, is there a place in life where you think you see and hear the master calling out to you? Yeah, I realize we don't live by uncertainty, but we live our life by faith. Peter puts his foot on the water. Man, all this drama. I think this whole story unfolds because it's about getting Peter out of the boat. I think Jesus is calling some of you to get out of the boat. All this drama, I'm telling you to watch Peter seemingly sink so he could cry out. Maybe you feel like you're sinking in some areas of your life. Maybe Christ is calling you to cry out. All this drama to speak those words. Peter, why did you doubt? Verse 31, why did you doubt? What, why did I, what do you mean why did I doubt? You left me out here on my own. You sent me into a storm. The waves, they were battering me. The wind was opposed, I was terrified. I, I was going out of my mind. I thought you were a ghost. <laughs> Why did you doubt? Doubt's reasonable. You see, uh, the doubt's reasonable. It's not unreasonable. I want to know if, there, if there's enough courage, if there's enough faith in you to overcome the doubt and still produce action. Just enough action just enough action. The climax of this story isn't a storm. The climax of this story is almost drowning. Jesus could have said, hold up guys, I'm coming to you. No, Peter, it's not a good idea. You're going to sink. How far can your faith take you? See, the point of this story was Jesus wanted to reveal who he was in a new way to them that they never, they didn't understand. Verse 33 says, and they worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Listen, rest assured that if you're following Jesus, he only lives, he only wants to save and deliver. He only wants to demonstrate his power in your life. He only wants you to know that when you thought you were abandoned, he was interceding for you. When you thought the waves were against you, listen, they were intended to strengthen your, your resolve. When you thought the wind was opposing you, man, that wind was meant to refresh you. When you thought you were paralyzed with fear, he wanted to embolden you. And when you thought the waves, the very thing that was wreaking havoc in your life, thought it almost got the better of you. He wants you to step out of the boat. He wants the very thing that was meant to destroy you, the very thing that was threatening you, he wants it to become firm footing beneath your feet so that all of a sudden, you will find yourself walking right alongside with the master. Jesus, as we find out, it was all about demonstrating who he was so they might believe in who he is. Jesus wants to save you. God wants you to know that he hasn't sent you on your life mission to die. He's called you into it so he can bring you through it to demonstrate who he is. And it's not just to everyone around you. We always feel like it's the corporate message, but God wants you to know him personally. He wants to demonstrate his lordship to you personally. Some of us are restless and terrified. We feel hopeless and abandoned alone. We try to do everything right. We've prayed and there seems to be no response, no answer. The heavens feel like they're concrete. Prayers bouncing off. And now we find ourselves in the last hour. Some of you are finding yourselves down to the wire. 
I gotta tell you, there's another instance and it took place early. Some, some of them it was late, but for others it was early. It was, come on, it was early Sunday. It was early Sunday morning when all hope seemed lost. I recall another event that happened early Sunday morning. I recall an event when all hope was lost, when the very hope had seemed snuffed out, buried behind a tomb. I recall another instance that took place early Sunday morning, just like Jesus said, he broke the curse of sin and death and he rose up from the dead and now we've got a new beginning. Come on, somebody. I wanna know, I wanna tell you what all of this, what all of this balances on. I've touched on it several times through this message. To those who belong to Christ, to his disciples, that's the phrasing that, that has been thrown around here. Those who are in submission and in obedience to Christ. God wants to demonstrate his power, but he wants you to demonstrate your submission first. Is there areas in your life that you need to submit? If you haven't submitted your entire life to Christ and you're going through the storm, can I pray for you? I wanna pray for you that you would, in this moment, submit your life to Christ. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm going through the storm. I'm going through the struggle. I'm going through the challenge and I'm asking you to stretch out your hand and come and save me. Lord, I need you. I submit myself to you in a new way today. Be Lord of my life. In Christ's mighty matchless name, amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. I pray you were encouraged, enriched, and inspired to chase after God. If you enjoyed today's podcast, why don't you take a minute and share it? Let's encourage each other with God's word. And remember, if you do not have a church to attend, we invite you to visit us at Garden City Church. We're located at 140 Bridge Street in Beverly, Massachusetts, and we meet in the Emmanuel Congregational Church building. If you need prayer or an encouragement, I invite you to email me at pastor at Garden City Church church.net or you can visit me online at aaronrios.com or any social media outlet hey till next time keep pressing on towards christ god bless you